Daniel chapter 5, we're reading the whole chapter. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed. And his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The song was true. The king called loudly to bring the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you, your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit of knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. It's very similar, isn't it? Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you, that you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and to make known to me its interpretation. But they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you should be clothed with purple, have a chain of gold around your neck, and be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself, give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I'll read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all people's nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. Whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. Whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened. This is last week's sermon, by the way. So that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, his glory was taken from him, he was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys, he was fed with grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind, sets it over whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you've lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you. You and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see, hear or know. Listen to this, folks. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways, you've not honored. Then from his presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Many, many, tekel, parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Many. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. 
Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, and a chain of gold was put around his neck. Proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, about 62 years old. Father, we need your help this morning, understanding your word, understanding that the end is coming and that our life will be weighed. And God, we don't want to be found wanting. I pray that you'd open our minds to the scripture today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar is dead. Uh, At the end of chapter 4 is the last we hear of him. Um, Many years have passed since chapter 4 to chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar died. Uh, His son took his place. That dude was assassinated pretty quickly. Another guy took his place. Another assassination. Finally, a guy named uh, Nabonus, I think. Something like that. We'll go with it, right? We don't, nobody knows. Anyway, he, he took his place. And for many years, scholars mocked the book of Daniel because history shows that this Nabonus guy was the king when Babylon fell, okay? Not Belshazzar. However, there's this archaeologist in the late 1800s. He's digging in Iraq and he discovers a cylinder. And on the cylinder is 60 lines about Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. And and what we come to find out from that cylinder is that Belshazzar was the co-regent with Nabonus. Okay? So he was probably Nabonus' son. But they they were kings together. Nabonus hardly ever lived in Babylon. He always lived at one of the summer houses or something. He kind of commanded the army. Belshazzar commanded the the, the Babylonian city, okay, the capital city. And and actually, if we had just read this a little more closely, I think scholars could have figured that out. Because you'll notice that when he offers Daniel the gift for interpreting the dream, he tells him, you'll be what ruler in the kingdom? Third, right? So, you know, it makes sense. Why do you say third? Why not second? Well, Third, because he was co-regent with his father, Namna. So, Belshazzar uh, is ruling Babylon, the city of Babylon, from uh, the, the, the royal city. And things are actually not real good for them right now. The Medes and the Persians are rolling over everybody. They are taking over everybody. They are winning every battle. And at this very time, they have surrounded the city of Babylon. Okay? So, so they've surrounded the city of Babylon. The city is in siege. Why aren't these guys freaking out? Why aren't they, why aren't they got archers on the wall? Why, don't they, why aren't they making battle plans? Why isn't, why isn't he convening with his cabinet? You know why? Because Belshazzar had a false sense of security, okay? Babylon has never been taken until this day. It had never been taken. It had never been, had been conquered. The walls were considered impregnable, okay? They, they, were, they were, I can't remember, it was like, like 30 or 40 feet thick. They're 50 feet high. Um, Babylon was an incredibly wealthy place at this time. Hist- history tells us that they had food for years stockpiled in the city. And the river Euphrates, which is a major river, one of the major rivers in the Middle East, runs right through the city, okay? So they got food, they got water water. They got walls. Basically, Belshazzar thinks nothing can happen to me. 
He's got a false sense of security. By the way, what, 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 what gives you your sense of security? Have you, ever, have you ever asked yourself that question? Maybe you're sitting there today, right now, and, and you're pretty comfortable. You know, you're kind of kicked back, thinking about taking a little nap here, you know, uh, until I'm done. And, and you just feel really good about just life. Things are good. Things. What gives you that sense of security? Or what, what doesn't give you that sense of security? You know, for most people, it, it has to do with a couple of things. It has to do with your financial ability, okay? So what the checkbook says normally gives gives us either a sense of security or a sense of trepidation, right? I mean, it, it's one of those a lot of times based on our financial position. A lot of times our, 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 our position in life, in other words, our, our employment, our, our, our job, our industry, how's our company doing? A lot of times that, whether it's shaky, whether it's really solid, whether you just been promoted, a lot of times that will give people a sense of everything is good, everything's fine, or everything's really bad. A lot of times the status of your family right? Whether everybody's healthy, everybody's doing well, everybody's, uh, everybody's doing well just even in getting along, loving each other, successful. A lot of times the status of your kids makes a big difference, you know, well, whether we feel like things are great, things are secure, things are not. But let me tell you, what we learned from Belshazzar real quick is that those things are a poor, are a very poor substitute from what the Bible tells us about security. Because you can have all those things and everything can fall apart in a moment. Okay, The typical passage for that in the Bible is Luke chapter 12. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 12 that basically drives home this point of don't put your security in things that don't really keep you secure. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this story. Verse 16, there was, a, there was the land of a rich man that produced plentifully. And he brought, he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? Ah, don't you hate dilemmas like that? What am I going to do with all my money? What am I going to do with it? So he's got a problem. Verse 18. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And then here's the security. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul. You ever talk to your soul? You, You do. You just don't know you do. You know? You, you just, that's that inside. Hey, things are good. Feeling good. Things are good. Okay. Here's what he says to his soul. You got ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Sit back. Kick back. You, you got it good for years. Verse 20. God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself. And listen is not rich toward God. There's a key in it. That, that's Belshazzar right there. That's Belshazzar, okay? Luke 12 is a great picture of Belshazzar. This guy thinks he's got a, He's the king. He's at the top. He, what is he doing? What is this guy doing what, what, when, when the armies of the Persians and the Medes are surrounding his city? He is drinking it up and he's discoing and moonwalking on the stage, all right? I, I mean, he just doesn't have a care in the world, all right? He's called in a thousand. My friends, a thousand. Picture it in your mind. A th- you, invite, you, you have a party and you invite a thousand of your buddies and, and, and then they they all bring their gal friends, okay? And, and you feed and drink. I mean, they're living it up high. And the Medes and the Persians are surrounding their city. And God is saying, your life is taken tonight and you've got zero. There's this New Testament principle that, that, that Daniel 5 is a great picture of. And, and it is this. Do not be careless with your life, okay? Let me show it to you. 
First Thessalonians 5. I've picked a couple of places, but they all have the same imagery, the same kind of thrust in, in telling us, don't be careless with your life. Get your eyes open. Get, get your mind open. What is God telling you? Don't put your security in the wrong things, okay? So let's read First Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 2. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, okay? When is it going to end for everybody? You know what? Nobody's going to know because it's going to come like a thief in the night. A thief does not call you and say, hey, around 2.30 in the morning, I'll be breaking in. Just wanted to let you know. I'll be coming. You know, thieves don't tell you that. They, they come when you do not expect it. And Jesus tells us over and over again, your life's going to end. This is going to be over when you least expect it. Okay? That's a principle of Scripture. Verse 3. While people are saying there is peace and security. And so, in other words, you're, you're going to be... Thinking everything's good, it's all peace, all security. Sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Verse 4, you're not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you. Notice the imagery here. You're not in the darkness. You're a believer. You're not in the darkness. Okay? You shouldn't be surprised. For you are children of light. You're not in the darkness. You're children of light. Children of the day. We're not of the night. We're not of darkness. So let us not sleep. You see the imagery there? Sleep, darkness, night. You're not of that. You're light. You're awake. Okay? Let us keep awake. Verse 6. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, you drunk at night. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Okay? Do you see the imagery there? Now, now, now just hold that in your mind. And I just want to show you it's everywhere. Okay? So well, we're not going to read this passage. But Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Same in imagery. Verse 12. Uh, or I'm sorry. Verse, verse 11. Don't take, play, don't take part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Verse 13. You know, everything exposed by light. Um, verse 13. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead. Verse 15. Be careful how you live. Be careful with your life. Verse 16. Make the most of your time. Verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. All the same imagery. Imagery and water. It's all of that imagery telling us, wake up. Look at your life. Really look at it. Really look at it. Don't put your security in the wrong things. Don't have a false sense of security. But see your life as it is, okay? Listen, if you're full of money, full of cash, family's doing well, all those things are great, but your spiritual life is a wreck, you're not ready. Things are not good. You shouldn't feel safe. You shouldn't feel secure. Belshazzar, like many of us, had an amazing ability to ignore warning signs in his life. Man, he knew. Daniel tells him, you knew what happened to your dad. You knew. You saw. You saw Nebuchadnezzar. You, you saw what happened. You saw how prideful he was. You saw him at the top of the world. And God humbled him. God brought him down to insanity for seven years. And when he finally came out of it, what was he saying? God rules the most high. I am nothing. God is everything. I repent. I put my faith in him. You saw all of that and you ignored it. You, you knew the dream. The dream that, 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 that the kingdom of Babylon was the head of gold. But there was a coming kingdom that was going to knock it down. And another one was going to knock that down. And finally God's kingdom is going to knock them all down. Belshazzar had an amazing ability to ignore all the warning signs. We do too, don't we? And we get kind of used to that. I hate those dumb lights on. I miss the days when, the, when, when if a light came on in your car, it's emergency, right? I mean, you pull over, stop. I mean, I, I miss those days because I have just come to ignore them all, you know? Every one of my cars has that yellow engine light on. It's a picture of a yellow engine. You know what I'm talking about? Every one of mine, you know? And I have no idea. I looked it up. It didn't look serious. So I've just been... But every car we have has that light on. And, and so others have been coming on, you know? And, and the other day, 
Addie came in. She said, Dad, there's a thermometer light on in my car. I was like, ah, go to school. <laughs> Nothing. Rev the engine a little. Does it sound okay? Go. You know? I mean, we, 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 we do that. You know, people do that with their spiritual life. I can't tell you how many people I've done counseling for. I see this all the time. Most of them, when people come to me, please don't do this, by the way. Uh, do do this. Come to me. I want you to come. But, but don't, don't wait until the wheels are off, you know, and, and the car's rolling, you know. Don't wait then, okay. Come. Many times I'll talk to folks, well, all right, let's, let's break this down. Let's seek the Lord. God can do this. God can help. And we start unpacking this, and, and, and they start sharing. And, man, there were warning signs years ago, you know. Years ago, there, there, was, there was bitterness. Years ago, there was unforgiveness. Years ago, there was unresolved conflict. Years ago, I mean, just all this, this you know, we just ignore it. We ignore it. We ignore it. We ignore it. We do that with our kids, don't we? We ignore the warning signs. We, there's, there's signs. Things are not going well here. There's signs. Man, there's not a good spiritual life here. But we just ignore those. We just try to, no, things are okay. We need to stop ignoring the signs that God gives us. The Bible says, be sober. What does that mean? Alert, awake. You're in the day. Man, look, look. Don't be like Belshazzar. The most important day of his life. And he's drunk out of his mind. Having a party. Thinking everything's fine. It's not real. Everything wasn't fine. Verse 6, hand appears on the wall. I'm sorry, it's verse 5. Starts uh, writing. I don't know. I don't. Here's the way I picture it. I can't prove this to you. All it tells us is it wrote on the plaster and it was opposite the lampstand. But I kind of picture that it's behind him. Don't you? You know, kind of picture him sitting kind of in an exalted position, you know, and he's up there just, you know, doing the disco, whatever. And, and all of a sudden he sees everybody's face drop, you know, Some music stops, silence goes across the room, you know, a shriek goes out. He looks behind him and there is a hand writing on the wall. Okay. <laughs> I love verse six. Uh, it was in the song, you know. Then the king's color changed, his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. What's that a picture of? That is a picture of a guy who's falling apart, is it not? I mean, he can't stand up. Uh, he, he is terrified, all right? He is frightened. So what's he do? He calls in all of his, his, his enchanters and magicians. And Man, are you seeing a theme with this? These guys get called in every chapter, don't they? I mean, here they all come, you know. You know what, what, what? Ah, I don't know. We're out, man. Zero, you know, zero. And you would think they would stop calling them. Because what we've got to remember is, though, that decades pass between these chapters. But you know what? Aren't we the same way? How many of you, you wait till the wheels are off your life before you're like, I wonder what the Bible says, you know, right? We try everybody else, you know. We, we call in Dr. Phil and Oprah and, you know, they all a CNN news team. and they, they all come in, right? And we want to hear what they said. They got nothing. Daniel represents the Word of God. And so finally, after everybody's got nothing, they've tried everything else. They remember Daniel. He's probably about 80 years old at this time, toward the end of his life. They bring in Daniel. Verse 16. Daniel will give you fame, will give you fortune, will give you money, will give you power. If you can interpret this. That's what everybody is wanting, isn't it? Don't tell me it's not what you're wanting, because I hear you guys all say, when I win the lottery, I'm going to do that. You know, I mean, I hear that all the time, right? It's a dream, right? It's a dream. If only I had. Okay, he's get, he gets offered this. And what does he do? Nah. 
Now, why, why, why give all that up? Isn't that strange? Verse 17, let your gifts be for yourself. Give your rewards. Why, why give all that up? You know why? A couple, couple big reasons. Number one, I think Daniel knows that stuff's fading. And in this case, it's fading real fast. All right? I mean, I mean the things of this world are always fading. First John chapter 2, great scriptural principle. Don't love the world, the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world... The desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, the pride of impossessions. It's not from the Father. It's from the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away. In this case, how long would he have had that stuff? <laughs> you know, what, about three hours maybe? Four hours? I mean, Belshazzar is dying tonight. The Medes and the Persians are taking Babylon tonight. Okay? So literally, I mean, it's a great biblical picture of that stuff. No matter if you got it or not, you don't have it for long. It's, it's, it's passing away. But I think even more importantly, I think, I think here's, here's the deal with Daniel. That stuff's too small. Daniel wants more. Doesn't he? He wants more. All people of faith want more. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of, of these great saints, all of them who trusted the word of God and looked for what God had for them. Listen to a couple of the verses. They, these are great verses. Hebrews 11.10 talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says that they left their city and, and they lived in the wilderness looking for the promised land. And, and here's why. Verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that, had, that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Go down to verse 16. But it is, as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Do you see the characteristic of people of faith? You know the characteristic of people of faith? I want more. We don't want less. You know what the world looks at us and says, man, I can't believe that you don't just want more money, more status, bigger everything. I can't believe that you don't give your life to that. And I'm like, you know, it's just too small. I'm looking for something bigger, something better. I know that Christ can satisfy me in ways that all of that stuff cannot I know that Christ will be to me what that stuff isn't. I think that's Daniel's point here. Hey, keep it, keep it. You know why? Because he's got a heavenly kingdom. He, he's got more in Christ. He's got more in God than Belshazzar could ever offer him. And so he's looking for more. So Daniel says, wait, don't worry about the gifts. Keep it. Um, but I'll, I'll interpret the dream for you. But before he interprets the dream, now, now picture it. He's got a thousand lords and all their wives and concubines. And there's a pin, you could hear a pin drop in the place. Everybody's scared to death. What would you do if you're Daniel? You would preach a little bit, would you not? Huh? Before you interpret the dream, right? You'd preach a little bit. That's what he does. So beginning in verse 18, he reviews for, for, for Belshazzar. Look, Belshazzar, you knew, you knew Nebuchadnezzar, your father. You knew of his kingship. You knew of his greatness. You knew of his majesty. You knew how, how, how he was proud and arrogant. And you knew how God humbled him. And you knew how God brought him down. And you knew how he finally woke up to see that the Most High rules the kingdom of mankind and sets it over whomever he will. And then verse 22, he says, And Belshazzar, you've not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. Scriptural principle, okay? Here's a scriptural principle. We are accountable for what we know. Okay? We're accountable for what we know. Bel- Belshazzar had been given revelation. God, God, had, God had revealed truth to him. 
He, he saw it in it. I mean, can you imagine? He was probably growing up, maybe teenager, maybe early 20s, when all this is happening to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar. You know, can you picture, hey, you know, son, we're, let's go see your dad. Let's see, go see, I don't know if it's his dad or his grandpa, we don't know. Let's go see your dad, you know. So go out in the field. Hey, dad. You know, I mean, gosh, you know. What happened to dad, you know? They go back and talk about it. Well, he was prideful. And remember, he had that dream. And that guy, Daniel, came and told us that, you know, man, God's going God's gonna to level you if you don't repent. He didn't repent. Now he's eating grass. You know, find the day he woke up. Can you? They had to have a family dinner. What's Nebuchadnezzar say? Hey, guys, I realized something. The God of heaven rules. He rules. I'm not God. You're not God. These aren't our gods. It's the God of heaven. I mean, Belshazzar had all that. Daniel says, you knew that. You knew it. You knew it. And you've done nothing with it. Let me talk to the kids in here. A few of our kids in here. Many of you guys have been at Lincoln for a long time. You've learned, some of you who've been all through our ministry, you learned hundreds of verses. It's one of the great things. I, I get to do the memory program. I'm doing that right now. Get, get, get to just talk through, interpret, memorize. Kids will come out in, in March. They will have these verses in their head. They'll be able to say them all. What a gift. What a gift. But with that, my friends... There's accountability. Some of you guys have been in church a long time. A long time. A long time, right? Some of you been, I mean, how many sermons have you heard? How many, how many times have you read through the Bible? How many Bible studies have you been to? What you have to understand is there's accountability for that. There, 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 there's a reckoning, you know? Daniel's telling Belshazzar, look, you knew truth and you're responsible for what you know. In fact, there's a biblical principle at work here. Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much will be required. Now, there's, a, there's a scary passage in, in Matthew chapter 11 where, where, where Jesus talks about Sodom. Remember the city of Sodom? Remember, remember, remember how wicked that city was? Uh, I mean, it was, it was horrible. The story in Genesis 19 is that, the, that God sends these, these messengers to, to the city. They come in the city and immediately the whole city, all the men in the city embark on the messengers wanting to have homosexual relationships with them. Okay? This is a wicked, wicked place. And then you got Capernaum. That's the other city Jesus talks about. Capernaum was... Capernaum was middle-class America, Jewish America, okay? Cul-de-sacs, plane in the front yard, bicycles, tricycles everywhere, morality ruled, okay? I mean, I mean, just a moral place. Everybody went to Christian school. Everybody went to synagogue. I mean, just the, 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 the picture of morality in a good, clean city. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 11. And you, Capernaum. Verse 23, will you be exalted to heaven? You'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. You know what Jesus says? He said, man, in hell, it'll be better for those guys in Sodom than it'll be for you. In your middle class, morality, and you heard the scriptures day after day after day. And then Jesus came to your town. That's why he picks Capernaum. Jesus came to your town. And Jesus did miracle after miracle. Jesus did teaching after teaching. You saw all of that and you rejected Jesus. And there's judgment for that. Friends, there's judgment for what we know and we do not act upon. I wish we had time to go into Hebrews 6. There's this difficult passage in Hebrews 6 that everybody stumbles over and trips over. It kind of almost sounds like that, that you can like lose your salvation and then, then you can't ever get it back. And 
I, I don't believe that's what it says at all. I think Hebrews 6, 4 through 8 is, is talking about what Daniel's talking about here. That to whom much is given, much is required. In Hebrews 6, it talks about having tasted the heavenly gift, having heard the scriptures, having experienced the Christian life, having experienced the Holy Spirit, and then reject it and reject it and reject it, not do anything with it and be careless with it. And there comes a time where your opportunity's done and you're judged for all the light you were given and rejected week after week. Friends, it's a serious thing to hear the word of God over and over and over again and say, no, 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 no. Don't trifle with God. Isn't that serious? Isn't it it serious to hear the word on forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again and claim you're a Christian and then live a life of unforgiveness? Isn't isn't that a serious thing to reject that light? It is. So, Daniel rebukes Belshazzar because he knew all of these things and yet he did not humble his heart. And And then in verse 23... He says, and you've lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house. You have been brought in before you and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you've praised the gods of wood, silver, gold, bronze, stone, all those things. You know what? You know what I think Daniel's getting at there? You have these sacred things and you've treated them as if they're nothing. Okay. I mean, it's interesting in Daniel one, the way this thing starts out, he says, Nebuchadnezzar takes over Judah. He, he, he annihilates the Israelites and then he takes captive all of these people. And it says in verse 2 that with some of the vessels of the house of God, he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. So, so 60-some years later, that's coming into play. And that Belshazzar goes and gets those. These things were used in God's, God's worship, in his sacrifice. Some of them probably to, to uh, catch the blood from the altar, you know. I mean, these, these were sacred things used in, in, in God's, God's worship. And, and they're treating him as if they're... Bud Light koozies, you know? You know what what I thought of when I thought of this? I thought of Esau. Man, the Bible rebukes Esau for this reason. Esau, if you're not familiar with the story, Esau is the man's man, okay? This guy hunts, fish, traps. He kills the biggest deer every year. He drives a big four-wheel drive truck, and he is covered with hair, okay? He's like every, every guy wants to be Esau, all right? I mean, he's like full of testosterone, all right? And he's out hunting, and, 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 he, and he doesn't get anything that day, and he's tired. He's wore out. He's been a couple days out on the trail. He comes in, and there's Jacob. Jacob's a domestic guy, you know? He watches the food channel all day. He's always getting new recipes, you know. He's got this big pole of chili, you know. And it's it just smells delicious. And, 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 and Esau is like, hey, brother, give me some of that chili. I'm starving. I'm famished. And Jacob, he's, he's tricky. He's a schemer. He's like, hey, trade me your birthright. What was the birthright? That was the right God had given to the firstborn that he would inherit all that was the father's. What was the father's? Remember the promises to Abraham, to Isaac? All those spiritual promises of the Messiah coming through your family, of blessing upon blessing. What's Esau say? You have it. Take it. Give me the chili. And the Bible talks about, the rest of the Bible talks about Esau despising the sacred things. What have what you been given that's sacred? What have you been given? What have you been given that's holy? The gospel? You know, the truths of the gospel? Belshazzar, he, he, had, he, had, he, had the, he had the word of God. He had these, these vessels, these, these temple vessels from Jerusalem. And he treats all of them like they're nothing. So, the handwriting on the wall, what's it mean? Daniel comes to interpret it. 
Many, many tickle parson. Many is a word that, that means 50 shekels, or it's a word that can mean to weigh or to number. Tekel is a word that means two-fifths of an ounce, which means to weigh. Absarson is a word that means half, like half a shekel, or, or ha- it's like 25 shekels, um, half a mina, and it means to divide or to cut. Okay, so, so here's the interpretation that Daniel gives. Verse 26, this is the interpretation of the matter. Many, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought them to an end. Buzzer went off. Belshazzar, time's up. This is it. It's done. It's done. Man, I, I, I don't know how to preach this because I just I don't know how to get it through my own head. We we just automatically have this feeling that we've always got time. I, I don't I don't know how to get that out of us. I mean, I really don't. I was thinking about driving over here. I mean, I, I just feel I, I preached this twice, and I gave a movie illustration in the last two about this movie where where the time is the currency and it's always ticking down. You can look at your wrist to see how many days, you know. But here's ultimately, I don't know how to get that out of us. We just we just always feel like we got time, you know. I got time to do this with my kids. I got I got time to do this with my. I got time for the church. I got there, there's always time. It's coming. It's coming. It's always up ahead. You know, I'm, I'm really busy right now. I don't I don't have time. To, but here's the reality. For all of us, our days are numbered. Psalm 90, 12, teach us to number our days. Teach us to realize that the days are short. I don't always have time. I mean, it's going to come an end. There's coming again a day where I, it's going to be done for me. But not only that, but even, even more of a reality to me is I have opportunities that come to an end. You know? I mean, my kids are only in my house so long. And it's diminishing and it comes to an end. And man, my days are numbered. Belshazzar, your days are numbered. It's it for you. It's done. Tekel, verse 27. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. What's he telling? He says, Belshazzar, we got God's standard. Picture, picture a scale. Got God's standard on this side. We put you on this other side. And dude, the scales didn't move. Okay. You're the king of Babylon. You're the most powerful guy in the world. You, 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 you got enough money to throw a party for 3,000 people. Everybody drink and eat as much as you want. And we put you in the scale and you're a zero. A zero. Remember Psalm 1? Psalm 1 gives it. If you're a farm kid, Psalm 1's a great, a great passage. Because it says, um, you know, blessed is the man who... Who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you know, stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delights in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. He's got meditation. He's like a tree planted by rivers of water, yields its fruit in its season. He's fruitful. But then it says, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff. The wind blows away. Man, do I know what chaff is? I spent a lot of days in a combine. If you don't know what it is, just here's the picture. You've seen combines out in the field, right? If you live here, you've, you've seen them in the field. Okay. All right, the grain is going in the, the bin, okay? There's a whole bunch of stuff coming out the back. That's chaff, okay? And it comes out the back, number one, because it's worthless and useless. You don't want it. And number two, because it's light. That's how a combine works. It's got a blower system. The wheat goes through the walkers and it falls down because it's heavy. The chaff blows right out the back because it doesn't weigh anything. And, and the Bible says the wicked are like chaff. Belshazzar, you're like chaff. We put you on the scales, Belshazzar. And then you wasted your life. You wasted your opportunities. You lived for the wrong things. And you got nothing, Belshazzar. Your life didn't mean anything. Now, 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 now think about this. There's a thousand guys in the room with him. 
That right then would have said, oh man, you are the, man, you're the greatest Belshazzar. Man, you're the greatest king we've ever had. Man, you are so fun. You throw the greatest parties. We have the most fun with you. You're the most successful. You're awesome. You're awesome. He's got all these other people telling him how great, fun, awesome, successful his life is. But God puts him in the balances and he says, your life means nothing. It weighs nothing. There's no significance. There's no value. You did nothing with what I gave you. And 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 tells us that each one of us is going to be weighed. We're going to go through a, a judgment. We don't have time to look at that passage. If, if you want to look at it later, for 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, it talks about the day of the Lord coming. And it talks about all of our works being put through fire. You know? Put your works through a fire. And some folks are going to have gold and silver and, and they're going to come through. And, and it's going to be, it's going to, you have something for your life. Something that matters. Some folks will have ashes. Everything burned up. Man, it was, all, it was all about you. It was all about me. It was all fluff. Years of recreation, decades of TV watching. Your grand champion in Candy Crush. You got 3,000 Facebook friends. You made 150 grand a year. You're the top salesman in your region. And you put it on God's scales. And there's nothing there. Zero. Wow, that is heavy to me. Why is there nothing there? Verse 23. Just look at the end of it. We'll start out in the end of it. Okay. This is the last phrase in verse 23. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. And Belshazzar had earned money. He had, he had made a name for himself. He had been king. He had politically risen to the top. He knew how to throw a party. He had all kinds of pleasure. He had all kinds of goods. He had a great city. He had all of that. But he had not honored God. Are, are you seeing what weighs something? Are you seeing what weighs something? Have you honored God? Ha, ha, have you shown with your life that you're dependent upon God, that God is the big deal in your life, that you're all about Him, that He is the thing that you're exalting? Folks, isn't it a big deal to honor God? Man, notice how Daniel tells him this. But the God in whose hand is your, your breath. You know what your breath is? Your breath is your life. Stop breathing. And we'll, we'll, I'll show you that. I'll prove that. Someone stop. Someone stop. And at, at the end of the sermon, we'll see how you're doing. Okay? It's just your life. What, what is he saying? He's saying your life's in God's hand. Every breath you take. It's from God. He just gave... You got that out of His hand. Your heart... Your heart's amazing, isn't it? 41 years for me. Things are still beating. Just never takes a break. You know? It's not on union. Doesn't get a vacation. You know? Just beat, 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 beat. Why? Because God commands it to beat. Whose, whose breath is in God's hand. And you didn't honor him. Notice this. And whose are all your ways? What does that mean? Your ways belong to God. Man, you don't belong to yourself. You know, we, Belshazzar, how's he live? It's my life. It's my life. There's a song about that, isn't it? It's my life. I'll do what I want. I'll live the way I want. I'll exalt me. I'll, I'll, I don't, I don't got to listen to God. I don't care what his commands say. I'll do what I want. You can, but at some point you'll be weighed in the balances. 
And the one being who matters, the one being to whom you're ultimately accountable, the one being whose approval means life for you, you did not honor. So what happens? Last phrase, verse 28. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. All right. We know that his kingdom was given to the Medes and Persians. We know from the scriptures that he dies that night. History gives us, I think, some interesting insight. You know what happens? They are partying it up, okay? While they're partying it up, the Medes and the Persians are down, or they're upriver from the Euphrates. And they're, they're damming the Euphrates and they're building a channel and diverting the Euphrates temporarily into a lake, a swampy lake area. And as they do that, they've got troops stationed on both sides of the city. The Euphrates falls. They go under the wall. And they take the city with hardly out of fight. And Babylon falls in a night. And Belshazzar is killed that night. Your kingdom is divided and given to another. You know what I thought of? I thought, wow, is that just for Belshazzar or is that for us too? I thought of the parable of the talents. Remember that parable? Um, and it, it applies to all of us. Jesus talks about a master who, uh, who gives five talents to one and three talents to another and one talent to another and according to their abilities. So God, God only expects from us according to what, what, he, what he gives to us. And the guy who gets five and the guy who gets three, they go out and they invest for their master and they work hard and they, they honor their master through, through getting a return for what he's given them. And when the master returns, they, they come to him and they, 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 they hand him what, what they've been given. And remember what he says? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter, you know, you, you've been faithful with a little. I'll entrust you with much. Enter into the joy of your master. But then remember the one guy? What did he do? He, he went and buried his stuff and... I don't know, I guess watched soaps. I don't know what he did, but he, he, didn't, he didn't do anything with what God had given him. And you remember that he takes it and he, he gives it back to the master. He said, here's what's yours. The master's like, why, why didn't you do anything with what I gave you? He said, he really gives himself away. He, he didn't think much of the master. He said, I knew you were a cruel and unjust master, demanding stuff that, that you, you, you didn't give. I, in other words, I don't think much of you. So here's, here's what you got back. If you remember what happens, he, he takes it from him and he gives it to another and he condemns that servant to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so you've been given a life, right? Some longer than others. Some with greater opportunities, greater whatever. But you've been given a life. And at some point, your days are numbered and it's over. And then... Then you appear before God. You stand before Him and you're weighing the balances. And the big question is, what did you do with the life that was given to you? Did you take it and just use it for you? It's mine. I'm going to honor me. I'm going to exalt me. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what God says. I don't care what His Word says. I'm going to do what I want. Or, or have you honored the God in whose hand is your breath? That's a big question for us today. Let's honor Him. Let's make the most of our life. Father God, I ask you to help us. Lord, help me, God, not to procrastinate things that, that I know that would honor you. Things that I know that would exalt you. Things that I know would be good for my family, good for my children. God, I, I don't want to procrastinate with those. God, I don't want to act like that my days are not numbered. Lord, help me to seize the moment, seize the opportunity. 
Father in heaven, I ask you, God, to just enable us to honor you. God, there's so many things in life that we just we don't have the power to do on our own, God, but, but we ask that you would give us grace to honor you, to honor you in our families, to honor you in our, in our words, with, our, with everything that we do, with our life. God, help us to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.